This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 334 of the Pittsburgh Nerd Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Ian. And this is the only podcast that sort of says. You see, it's never, hey, you're that guy from Loser. Or, hey, you rocked in Boys and Girls. No, it always comes back to that fucking pie. Nice. I'm haunted by it. Nice. How are you, sir? I'm good. Yeah. 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 All right. Good for you. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always a good start. Yeah. That's always a good place to start. We're here. Yeah. We've made it this far. This is our home. Yeah. For podcasting purposes. For podcasting purposes. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. So what's up? I went and I saw Jay and Silent Bob reboot on Thursday. How was that? Okay. Let me just explain. So this was, you know, for those who don't know, um, you know, Kevin Smith is re- is doing, he's gone back to the View Askewiverse with um, another Jay and Silent Bob movie. Mm. And um, again, he's not actually, it's, it's not actually having a theatrical release per se. They're doing a road show with it, which is kind of like has been his MO with his last few movies. Yeah. Um, just take on the road, do Q and A's with it. They make back their money that way. Yeah. Everybody gets paid and he gets a little chunk of change and I mean, everything's good. So, but with this, they got to do a, a you know, that one of those fandom events. Okay. So like, like, like through Cinemark and I think a few other choice theaters, they do these fandom events where um, it's not just the movie. There's other stuff involved with it. Um, and with this one, the one I, I there was two showings. There was one on Tuesday and there was one on Thursday. I went to the Thursday one because it was a double feature with Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Okay. Okay. So like, I figured for the same price I was, I would pay to see one movie. Right. I'm going to pay to go see two movies. Sure. So... The thing that jacked me off is okay. I, I got thatted. Okay. And by that, I mean, like, I, I normally, because this is up in Monroeville, the Monroeville Mall Theater. So, the, the way that that's normally set up, it's a, it, their theaters, even, like, the non-XD theater is very nicely set up. And, like, they have the the upper section where most people sit, and then there's, like, the lower section. Okay. I'll sit in the top row of the lower section so there's nobody behind me. Right. You know, I like that aspect of there's usually nobody in front of me unless it's a a Star Wars movie or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. For the most part, like I, I we, we sit down there and we get left alone. And this wasn't a packed theater, but it was assigned seating. So 
you know, I bought my ticket well in advance. I got my ticket and I, I picked my seat. There was nobody around me when I picked my seat. I was like, this is going to be great. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. <clears throat> Day of the show, I'm looking at the, the seating map. There's some motherfucker who bought a seat right next to me. <laughs> okay. Like four seats, the four seats to my left were, t- were like, I'm like, you sons of bitches. Like, there was plenty of room between them and the next person. I thought maybe they'll come in, they'll see I'm a fat fuck, and they'll move down a seat. Yeah. No. They cut, First off, they're late. They show up in the middle of, of, of Strikes Back. <laughs> and then they sit, they sit their, their asses down next to me, which, by the way, I think I got a contact high from. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they smelled of the sticky icky. I'm like, motherfuck. Yeah, okay. This sucks. Okay. So I sat there. Now, there was nobody sitting on the other side of me. So I sat, but I, I didn't want to move in the middle of the, of the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm just, fuck it, I'll just suffer. But when in the, the intermission, I went up and went to the bathroom, came back, and moved my seat. Oh, right, did you? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not putting up with this shit. Yeah. You know, I want to have room. You know, I didn't, like, normally, like, in a situation, like, I'll buy the two tickets on either side of me. Okay. I've done that. Like, I've gone to go see a movie, like, with Nancy, like, like a, a big event movie, and I'll buy four tickets for the two of us. Okay. Like, like to me, that's like a baller move. Like, I'm going to be comfortable. I'm not going to have anybody sitting next to me. I don't have to worry about some motherfucker elbowing me, trying to, you know, where am I going to put my drink and my napkins? No, I got plenty of room for all that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I am just fine, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, this, I didn't think I was going to need to do that. Yeah. So I didn't, but, um, I paid a price during strikes back. Yeah. So, so I got thatted. I couldn't believe it. They fucking thatted me. It's a thad move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> you sons of bitches. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, but getting to reboot. Now that I've gotten that off my chest. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to start with, if you are not a fan of the work of Kevin Smith, then this is not the movie for you at all. Okay. Okay. If, like, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. Like, if you're somebody out there who's like, you know, Kevin Smith movies, I don't like them. I don't dig them. They're not my thing. I don't know why people think this fat fuck is funny. Fine. Yeah. This is not the movie for you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. Okay. Like, it, it was, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a great movie, and it wasn't his best movie, by, by, by any stretch of the imagination. Well, neither was Jay and Silent Bob. No. But, I mean, it probably wasn't as good as, as, as Strikes Back, you know? But there were some interesting, like, there were some really funny, fucking funny moments in it. And it, it was like, it was like one of those things where, like, as an artist and like you know, doing something, I guess when you're trying to stretch your legs a little bit, you're trying to introduce new elements to to a familiar setting. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes those elements just don't work. Yeah. But when you do, did stuff that was familiar, it really fucking worked. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that was the thing. Like there were a couple of moments. Like, for, like there there there's a um. It's a funny scene with Matt Damon. <laughs> but Maddie. Had, yeah, our good friend Maddie Damon. But it has no place in the movie. Okay. Like, it's just like, for for some reason, they cut to, to him sitting in a church, and he makes some some pun jokes about the Bourne identity. Mm. Yeah, the Bourne movies. Which, it, it, it was funny enough, but then he kind of narrates a little bit going into the next scene, 
and then you don't hear, see or hear from the rest of the movie. Like he, he doesn't—he never interacts with any of the characters. Okay. Now, what I think would have been great is if you had Matt, Maddie, our good friend Maddie, like narrate the entire movie. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like then that scene makes much more sense. Right, right, right. You know, but instead you just got this little snippet of him. It was like we got him for a day. What can we do with him? Hey, let's do this. They do a little. They do a little. You know, routine with them. He's gone for the day, and they're moving on. Yeah. You know, whereas I, I feel like if they could have done something a little bit more with him, like had Loki narrating the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. That would have been much more interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's also a scene with Chris Jericho that, again, it's funny, but it felt shoehorned into the movie. Like it's like, okay, we need a beat here of something that goes on. What can we do? Well, considering there's nothing that's like basically. I mean, it's it's a scene where like with um Klansman. Okay. Chris Jericho's a member of the clan, and there's you know, and they they got these these girls of different ethnicities that you know. They're burning the cross and everything else, you know. I mean, it, it, and it's a funny scene by itself, but shoehorned, it felt shoehorned into the movie. Now, again, if you could have done something where you had this scene earlier in the movie, and then the rest of the movie is like a, a Blues Brothers-esque, they're chasing down Jason and Bob and these girls across the country yeah. as they're trying to get to Hollywood. That would have been a funnier thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but instead you just get this one scene with them and that's that. Yeah. You know? And so it it just didn't quite fit into the overall narrative. Right. Um, and then it also gets very, very meta. Okay. Because, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole premise is it's just like Jay and Son of Bob Strikes Back. They're, they're doing a reboot of Blunt Man and Chronic. Uh-huh. Blunt Man v. Chronic. Okay. Okay. You know, and in the, the the company that bought the rights to Blunt Man and Chronic, they've also bought the rights to the names Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, wow. And they convinced Jay and Silent Bob. They trick them into signing contracts that they can't use those names ever again. Okay. You know, so they want to stop the movie because they want to get their names back. Okay. That's why they're trying to go to Hollywood to stop the movie. Okay. So that, that that there's our our reboot premise. Yeah. You know. Um but the director of the movie is Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. He's directing Blunt Man versus Chronic. Okay. Okay. So this is where it becomes meta because you get to Chronic Con, which is a, a, a comic book like convention all about Blunt Man and Chronic. Mm. And it just becomes like, you know, all this different Kevin Smith stuff comes into play. Like, it's the cast of Clerks, but they're all in black and white. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of great jokes in there. Yeah. But it becomes, like, it comes very meta because it's like the intersection of these two fictional characters with the intersecting of Kevin Smith's real life. Right. In many ways. Right. You know, and it was was interesting. It was fun. It was well done. But it it became kind of like... Okay, you know, mm. I, I will say this: the scene with Affleck is amazing. Like, I I think if there's anything that's gonna like, a lot of people say they roll, roll a tear, and I can get that. If there's anything that's gonna make you roll a tear, it's gonna be the scene with Affleck. 
Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to give it away. I mean, but it's a great moment in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, in a way, acts as a prologue to chasing Amy. Okay. You know, so that's a, cool. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of good stuff, and I like I said, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I, I laughed my ass off. I mean. Like looking at it with a critical eye, it, it has problems. I'm not going to deny that it's not his best work. Yeah. But at the same time, it was still really fucking funny, and it'll piss people off, like an old Kevin Smith movie used to do. Mm. You know, like, this is just like, and I'm happy. I'm one. I'm happy he's made up with Ben Affleck, because we get to we end up having this great moment with Affleck in the movie. <clears throat> but also. Out of that, he also ended up making up with um, Jeff Anderson. Yeah. And now they're actually going to do Clerks 3. Yeah. Which. I almost rolled a tear at that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I I can't wait. Like, I mean, this has been, like, hanging there for so long. Right. You know, and it's been teased, and it's like, I I, I can't wait to kind of see him get back into those two characters who, you know, Dante and Randall one any other character except for maybe Holden McNeil yeah. represents who Kevin Smith is. <laughs> right. You know, Dante and Randall are like the two different sides of Kevin Smith. Right. You know. No, I agree. Yeah. You know, I mean I think that plays out even more in Clerks too. You know. So I'm intrigued, like I mean Smith has said like his heart attack is gonna play a big part in Clerks three. Mm-hmm. And I'm intrigued to see how that all plays out with these two characters. And, I mean, at this point, you know, dealing with going into their 50s. Right. You know. So, what was uh, the beef between him and Affleck? Well, I, I think Kevin Smith admits, like, there, there was no, like, argument ever. Like, they never had, like, a, a, a yelling match or anything. But it was, like, one of those things where, like, one, Smith admits, like, I, I talk too much. I may have told stories out, you know, out of school that I shouldn't have told, um, especially about Ben. But two, like, I mean, and part of it may have been like, you know, you know, he, he ends up, he has a life with Jennifer Gardner at the time, like, you know, things kind of went from there. He thinks, like, maybe she has some influence about, you know, you need to get away from this potty moth. Fuck, you're one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Yeah, act like it. Nice. You know what I mean? Like I, I some of that might have come into play a little bit. Um But it's a, it's just one of those things where like they never had a falling out, they just kinda stopped talking to each other. Yeah. You know, there was never an argument, there was never anything. So he said like, you know, he there's a there's some reporter, I can't remember the reporter's name, but he's a big Kevin Smith fan. So mm-hmm. anytime you interview somebody who's ever had anything to do with the Kevin Smith movie, he'll open up with a Kevin Smith question. Yeah, and so Affleck was doing um, publicity for uh, Triple Frontier, uh-huh. that Netflix movie, and um, the reporter asked him, "You know, they're doing reboot. Has Kevin called you?" And he's like, "Kevin hasn't called me, but I'm available." Oh, okay. And people are like, "You should call him." Uh-huh. And he's like, "That's a nice thing you say when you're doing publicity for your movie." He's not going to sit there and say, "Fuck that fat fuck." I want nothing to do with him. Yeah. You know, he's not going to do that. He's, he was just being polite 
Yeah. Because somebody asked him the question, and that's that. You know. That, but he ended up, he ended up getting pressure, and he ended up sending him a text message, and they had a conversation, and they kind of made up. Okay. I mean, to the point that Affleck introduced them when they had their um, their their cement ceremony in front of the Chinese theater. Okay. Like he he gave a speech. Oh, he did. Yeah. I bet that's interesting. I, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's 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 an okay speech, but I mean, it's it's in, it, it, but still, it's interesting. That, like, it, it's come full circle to the point like you went from not talking to each other for fifteen years to like you know, and get me wrong, Affleck is a. Kevin Smith is a big reason Affleck became one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Agreed. And but Affleck is also the reason that Kevin Smith could make the movies that he wanted to make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like after chasing Amy, where I mean Affleck went from being like the bully. Yeah. Like that was if you look at the movies, anything he made, even even in Mall Rats, I mean he he was the douchebag bully. Right. You know, Dazing and Fuse, he's a douchebag bully. You know, um, you know, any movie he did, he was basically like the douchebag bully, for whatever reason. And he's like, and Kevin Smith was the first person to make him a leading man, right? You know, and that begat, which begat, which begat. You know, I mean, to Affleck being one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, and even, um, you know, being able to go on to direct his own movies. Yeah, you know. So, what was the beef between him and Jeff Anderson? Money. Really? It's always money. Really? Like, Jeff Anderson, like, initially, like, years upon years ago, with with Clerks, you know, they all signed contracts to do the movie, and they got paid what they got paid. Yeah. And then Smith sold the rights, and it made $35 million, you know, off of a $35,000 budget. Right. You know, well, Anderson felt he deserved a bigger cut of that now. I kind of have to agree with that. But you, I, I, right. I mean, that's the problem with independent film, though. You know, you signed, you, 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 you signed a contract. You got paid what you got paid to make the movie. There was no back, back end for you because Smith didn't think there was going to be a back end. Yeah. You know, so that was that. I mean, the, the, all the money he made off of Clerks, there was no expectation of this taking off. You know, so it was like one of those things where, Afterwards, yes, Anderson thinks he deserves money. Well, Smith is willing to get you into other things then, though. That was the the real key. He's like, okay, now that I've got, now that I'm in Hollywood and I want to do other things, I can bring you along. Right. Okay. That's that's Smith's way. Right. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I believe he had stuff prepared for Anderson for Mall Rats, you know, and he just, they had the falling out. I mean, if you look, I mean, um, Brian O'Halloran's in Mallrats. Yeah. You know, I know, you know, so I, I believe he would have had something for him in Mallrats. Chasing Amy, I mean, that was what it was. I mean, that, Man. but I mean, they make up in time for, you know, they get him into um, Dogma. They do the Clark's cartoon, you know, it, but it always comes back to like, and when with Anderson, it was like, he's always the hang up and trying to get a Clerks movie done. It took him forever to agree to what the script should be for Clerks 2. Yeah. You know, and how much he should get paid and all this other stuff. And then now for Clerks 3, it's kind of the same thing. There was a huge hang-up 
I mean, and there's also some legalities because, you know, the Weinstein Company owned the rights to clerks. And before that, it was Miramax, you know, who actually owns the rights to clerks. And he was like, fuck this. I don't need this, you know. and Because he's directing himself, right? I think he's directed some independent film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, tell you the truth, Jeff Anderson is why I watch clerks. I love him. <laughs> I mean, personally, I mean... If you look at the people in Clerks, Clerks 1, Clerks 2, on who you identify with, and for some reason I just identify with Randall. Right. I just, I don't know why. I just, he fucking opens his mouth and I'm, I'm waiting for the next line. Right. I love him, you know, right. and I wish I would see him in more things, you know. Right. Um, but, of course, it's Kevin Smith's writing that. Right that i love um but i just love jeff anderson i do i i think um any scene he's in is just in my opinion golden right well i mean like it's one of those things where like in the first movie randall was supposed to be played by kevin smith yeah that's why randall has all the best jokes yeah and kevin said he's like i'm looking it over I'm like who the fuck wants to recite all this I, I you know i'm not doing that <laughs> you know but you're right i mean the chemistry between i i, I identify more with dante but like you're right randall has all the better jokes yeah you know you're waiting like you just you always wait for what randall has to say next you know even in like the clerk's cartoon it's it's randall's the funnier of the two but i i, I think the chemistry between him and brian o'halloran is what really makes the the, the whole thing work right like, it just, it's, I don't, I don't know what it is, but, like, I mean, as two independent actors, two guys who had little to no acting experience, like, if you look at how they played it off in the first Clerks movie, I, for an independent film, they do very well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stiff acting the rest of the way around. Not between those two, in my opinion. No. No, you, you're absolutely right. Especially in the first film. Yeah. I mean, for the first... Because, I mean, the first film is, like, you know... Students. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's <laughs> Acting a, students. Yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of, like, you know, public theater people and stuff like that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, it's it, it's not... You know, so there's a lot of wooden acting in there. Oh, know? yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of, like, moments where I'm like, oh, man, that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know, but between those two characters, those very two actors... Very natural. It, it feels very natural, and... You know, I, I mean, and part of it is the dialogue because it's the thing. The thing of it is, like, what, you say, "What do you like about Clerks?" That's how I talked. Those are right. the conversations I was fucking having. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, so it was like I could identify with both of these characters, and they they sounded so natural in the conversations that they were having. I was like, oh, "Yeah, I, I can see this. I could be hanging out with these guys." The go kart scene and Clerks yeah. too. Yeah, and Clerks too. I mean, and you go, but you, you do you go to Clerks too? And I mean, they're so like I had good. very low expectations of Clerks too. Yeah, I did. I, I yeah. was like, I don't know what he's gonna do. You know, it was like a gem. I mean, it was just so fucking good. It's a brilliant movie. I mean, it really is. I mean, Donkey Show and all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a Kevin Smith movie, so yeah, it gets raunchy and offensive. The story that it actually tells, again, it's like, I've, I can feel that. I've been there. It's real, It's like real life. I've been there with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. I know, I know. 
you know, you came to me like, yeah, Lisa's pregnant. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, I mean, so we, you and I have been there. Yeah, you know? we, we live. I lived that story. Yeah. So like, it, so it becomes like really, 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 really identifiable yeah. to, to to people of our like, not just our age, but like, you know, people who just been through what that that type of situation. Right. I, I just. I mean, Dougie, I love Clerks and I love Mall Rats. I mean, I do. Yeah. But I think Clerks 2 is just a great movie. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's just such a... It's... <clears throat> it's funny, you know, you look at Kevin Smith films and, like, you don't you don't see... You don't see stuff that pulls at the heartstrings very much. Well, Jersey Girl. Yeah. But other than Jersey Girl. <laughs> but, I mean, Clerks 2, there was a couple moments in that film where I was like... Huh. You know what I mean? Like it was well, yeah. just like, it, but it was about their friendship. Yeah, and like that was like, it was so key in like everything that they did. Like everything- that's why I mentioned the go kart scene because yeah. it was just like a beautiful moment. The car ride leading up to yeah, the go kart scene. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was just, it was good film. I mean, it, and, and it was good writing. But I, I, I mean, there's that that scene, like the whole scene in in the jail when they have the argument about their friendship. Right, right. And he, you know, I mean, and Randall's like, you know, I would buy the quick stop. Right. You know. Yeah, that was powerful. Yeah, I mean, that that's a great moment because it's like, you know, I don't want to lose you as a friend and this is how I would fix it. Right. I don't want things to change and this is how I'm not going to let things change. Right. You know, and... Because he loves them. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, things are going to change, but they can still remain the same. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I mean, yeah, I mean... Kevin, Kevin Smith is, I mean, for a guy who's like one of us. Yeah. And I, I honestly feel this way. Like, I, I, I could be wrong. He, he, he could be a total, total dick, you know, in real life. And, you know, be mean to old people and dogs. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he seems like the guy who, who would be one of us. He hit it big. He didn't change, but then he's proven how smart he is by evolving, and and finding other things to satisfy his needs. Right. <clears throat> I mean, let's face facts. This podcast would not exist without <laughs> Kevin Smith. Right. I know. I you know. Me. And I mean, you know, it's just it's it's one of those oddball things of like, he's never been a guy. At least publicly, who who's like, you 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 can't do what I do. You know what I mean? Like he's, I mean, everything he's ever said has always been like, "Fuck it, what's stopping you?" Right. Go 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 get a microphone. Right. Go do your podcast. Go go rent a camera. Make your movie. Type type it up. Do whatever the fuck. Finish it, and do it. Right. Don't stop. Don't let anything fucking stop you. Right. You know. And that's, I mean, how, how many people in Hollywood say that? Right. Yeah, I agree. How many people in, in, in athletics say that? Like, you know, not, nobody says that. Like, I mean, he's like the only one. Right. Who, who's like, you could be me. You could be better than me. Don't aim to be me. Be better. Yeah, he always says that yeah. shit. And like, I, I honestly believe that he believes that. Right. You know, and it's, 
it's one of those things where, like, I mean, he's an inspiration because, I mean, you know, we're doing this because of our love of him. Um, but, like, at the same time, like, I just look at the other things he does. Like, so, I mean, we, like, we, I always make fun of him because he ends up having, like, he's a Guillermo del Toro. He ends up putting too many irons in the fire and things get lost. Yeah. You know, hit somebody never got made. Yeah. You know, th- there's a Batman comic book. I'm still waiting for him to get made. Mm. You know, um, the, you know, uh, you know, Clerks 3 for years has, has languished around and, you know, hopefully we're finally going to see the light of day on that. Um, you know, but I mean, it's, it's shit like that. Like his, his ambition is so high of like, I can do this, 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 and this. Plus, I'm going to have my own podcast network. I'm going to appear on three podcasts. I'm going to do a YouTube show. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, you you can't help but, and I'm going to do it all stoned. Yeah. You know, God bless you, sir. (laughs) Right. You know? Oh, I know. Believe me. Yeah. Especially when I had his heart attack. That almost crushed me. Yeah. It did. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, please don't go. Not yeah. yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it was like. Not like, yet. That, that would have crushed me. Yeah. Like, I, may, I may have had to, like, take some time. Right. You know? And that's a weird thing to say for somebody I've never met in my entire life. Yeah. You know? But. I'm not going to call him a hero, but he's an inspiration. Sure. You know. How can he not be? Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, st- I don't care what anybody says. Jersey Girl is still one of my favorite movies. I, I think Jersey Girl is better than people give it credit for. I, 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 I'm for certain. Yeah. I think it got hit with the stink of J Lo, you know, you know, um, the J Lo Affleck relationship. Yeah, yeah. Benefer, I guess that was uh, Benefer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I I got stuck with the stink of that. It's a great film. Yeah, but I mean, you get over that. Like, it, it, it it's it's a touching movie. It is, and it has Carl in it. Yeah, Carl. Carl I mean, fantastic. how do you pull that card? Yeah. No, seriously, as like the the grandpa, as his dad. I mean, yeah. like, how do you pull that card? I mean, like, as much shit as they give about uh, Jersey Girl, it's a great fucking movie. Yeah, it is. It's especially touching to me because I have three girls. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've been there, and yeah. it's. <clears throat> I don't think that it's overacted. No. Um, it's acted very well. Yeah. I, it's just a great film. Yeah. I, I just can't understand. I think at the time that I, th- I think at that time that people wanted like another Kevin Smith film, they wanted a Clerks. I think that's part of the thing. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they didn't get that. They actually got a real movie. Yeah. I mean, not a real movie. I shouldn't say that, but they got a movie that was more streamlined, I guess. Or, yeah. Or you know. It was a great fucking movie. Yeah. You know? I mean, it just it didn't have everything that Kevin Smith has to throw in. Mm-hmm. But it had some stuff. Yeah. You know? But 
I'm telling you, it was better than a lot of the movies that came out five years before or five years after. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Like, I mean, it's it, it's very interesting, like the trajectory. Because I mean, I mean, he it was very weird that he so desperately wanted to put like the Askewiverse behind him. And he makes Jersey Girl, which is a personal movie because I mean, at the time he just had his own child, right? You know, and you know, it's very interesting. Like, and that's what like the thing with Affleck and reboot is. I mean, it, because it's it's about children. Yeah, you know, and so you're like I said, like it's gonna hit you. It's gonna hit you hard, much harder than it hit me. Yeah. Um. But it's a but it's a very personal statement as well, and it makes a whole lot of sense when when you listen to it. Mm. Um, but then I, I from there he goes and he makes Cop Out, yeah, which is it's a bad movie, but that has some funny fucking shit in it. It's just it, it was like he wanted to like you know do different things. Right. I mean, Cop Out is the only movie he ever directed he didn't write. Yeah, you know. Um, you know that then you, that that takes you to Zach and Mary make a porno, <laughs> which is a great movie. It is. It's a fantastic movie. It's better than a lot of people give it credit for. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people read that title and say, "Oh, get the fuck out of here!" It's a great fucking movie. Must have got Seth Rogen. Yeah, and Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. But then he starts getting like. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I mean, you know, that, that I guess this, this was his midlife crisis then because, I, I mean, he makes Red State, which is a great fucking movie. It is fucking incredible. That's an incredible movie. But that's the one where he, like, you know, he, he blasted critics. You know, he went to Sundance to sell the movie. And he sold it for a dollar to, you know, himself. And, yeah. like, I mean, it was like, like, that was all, that, that was the beginning of, I'm getting away from the normal distribution method for movies and doing this on my own. Right. You know, um, I I will get just enough money to make a movie from, from people and then I'm going to do things my way. Yeah. And that was, it began with Red State because that was a, you know, that was a roadshow movie. That, that went on the road. Yeah. You know, and then Tusk. <laughs> I like Tusk. It was just strange as Fuck. It's just a fucked up movie. Yeah. Like, you can't believe it. That's a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. You really can't. I agree. I agree. Like, it's it's shocking. Yeah. You know, and, and then, you know, you, you get the yoga hosers, yeah. which is just awful. That was bad. It's a bad fucking movie, but it was like, I, like, I get like, you wanted to, you, you wanted to do something for your kid. Yeah. Who, by the way, is in Jane Santa Barbara reboot, she's a much better actress. Really? Yeah. She's actually gotten better. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that was one of my concerns. I was like, oh, man, you got your kid in this again? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she's a nice kid and all, but fuck, she sucked in yoga hosers. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, buddy. But she, you know, she Dep's actually. kid was better. Yeah. But she actually has grown as an actress. She's gotten better. Yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll give her credit for that. You know, she went and she honed her craft. Yeah. yeah. Good for her. Yeah. You know, um,. But yeah, like, I mean, just the trajectory his his career has gone on. He, he he started making, you know, doing directing stuff on TV with like Supergirl and Flash. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah, you know. 
but yet at the same time, he, he's in that during that entire period, he came up with the Smodcast. He came up with, you know, all this other shit. Comic he, book man. Comic book man. He's come up with all this other shit that he has found ways to make money with. Right. You know. And you say what you will about the man. The man makes money off of his podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. <laughs> you know, but but he figured out how to fucking do it. You know, I mean, so I mean, it's it's very impressive, like the stuff that he's done over the years to to not only just like be an artist, which is like I mean, when you look at like a movie like Tusk and Red State, the, the, that's like artistic endeavors. Yeah. You know, you Red, may. Red State was good, though. Yeah, it's a very good movie. But, like, I mean, it, it just, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, the other side of it, though, is like, you just, you figure out ways to make money. Right. You know, you figure out ways to support your family without having to do something you just don't want to do at the time, which was making movies. He's, he admitted, like, at the time, like, I don't want to fucking make movies. I'm done. <laughs> you know, which is like, okay, wow. Yeah, we're like, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad he's found that groove again. I'm glad he's found that, that itch, right. so to speak. And I'm glad he's making up with these people that he's he, he's had disputes with. Because, like I said, the, the scene with Affleck in Reboot is a great scene. And his monologue is, is really, really well done. And you can tell it's 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 from the heart, yo. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to Clerks 3 because, you know, I want to see Dante and Randall again. I want to see where they're at in their lives at this point. Yeah. It intrigues me. It intrigues me, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to see where they're at at this age. Yeah. I'm, where, I'm, gonna see, I'm, I'm curious about what Randall's doing these days. You know, I want to see um, where that's gone. Yeah. And his... Dante still with you know Rosario Rosario Dawson's character and what the child looks like and is this Uncle Randall and yeah you know what I mean like I mean it's important you know has Randall found somebody and yeah so yeah yeah and what friends have they kept around and what friends have that haven't you know and who's in it and who's not yeah. I want to hear dumb jokes about Star Wars and. You know, I mean, exactly, I, I yeah. want to see it. I mean, it's, <clears throat> I mean, Clark's hit on so many levels on where I was at, probably where you were at Yeah. at the time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was well, just. I mean, we were both working dead end jobs. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, well, I wasn't playing hockey up on the rooftop of Eden Park. I mean, I still like. But I was playing hockey. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, mean, I can identify with. I mean, there was a lot of things in that movie. Like it just as a twenty-something, a young twenty-something. Yeah. It just it hit. I was like, wow, yes, I feel that. This is me. I get this. Yeah. You know, just it was very important. Yeah. It was an important movie to be made just because. Oh, wow, I get that. Yeah. You know. I get where you're coming from. This all makes complete sense to me. Yeah. You know. And it was the same thing with Clerks too. For the most part, like I mean, like you know, again, like, oh, especially clerks. Yeah, but I mean, like we, you know, it, but again, like, it just it, it hit, like it, it hit the right nerve as a as a, as a mid thirty something when that came out. Like, maybe younger than, well, yeah, mid thirties. Yeah, right. yeah, because it came out in two thousand six. Yeah, 
You know, so I was in my mid thirties, and I was like, "Yeah, this, this, this is, uh, yeah, this is me. Yeah. This is a lot of the stuff that I'm dealing with now is what they're dealing with." Yeah, yeah, I agree. It just, I don't know. Maybe he just hit a certain chord with a generation, you know, and it's just that generation is waiting for him to produce. Well, I mean, like it's a, it's a weird. It's a weird moniker to put on him, but he—I mean—he might be. You might be able to consider him the voice of Generation X. Yeah. No, I. I as, as weird as that is to say, like. Yeah. You know, he. I. I. I would certainly think of it that way. Like you know. As weird as I mean, I don't have. The life that he's had, but so many of the things he's talked about over the years. From a life standpoint. Right. I mean, no, I, I never had an, an, you know, that went to Paisley Park to film a movie. You yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah. I never sat in um, uh, in a dude's office while he told me that, you know, spiders are the most dangerous animals in all the world. You know, yeah. you know yeah. Like, yeah. So like, I never had those, but there are other things that you know, over his life that he's lived that do resonate with me because he's lived his life while as somebody in Hollywood as just a regular guy. And I, I truly believe that he is just a regular guy. Yeah. I do. I I hope that Kevin Smith is humble. Yeah. And I think he is. Yeah. Um, down to earth. Mm-hmm. You know? Smoke some weed. Yeah. Make some good stuff. I mean, his real talent is writing. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's just—he's brilliant. Yeah, and, and I don't think that. <clears throat> um, I mean, he's one of the best in the in the world. I mean, the only person that I can I can even compare him to, and it, it's a weird comparison, is Tarantino. Yeah. I mean, Tarantino's writing is incredible. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, Tarantino falls off the path here and there too. Yeah, but Smith's writing is just—it's just on point. Yeah, and so is Tarantino's. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, there's only there's only a couple people out there where where you go to a go to a movie and you can pinpoint. Yep, that's Kevin Smith. Yeah, that's Tarantino. Yeah. you can't say that about Scorsese. You know what I mean? Like you right. can't say that about all these all these directors. I mean, seriously, Cameron, Spielberg. Well, I mean, you, you look at all these directors, and you can pinpoint, yeah, that's a Tarantino film. Well, that's a Kevin Smith uh, film. Okay. I, I, I'm going to say it this way. Visually, I can usually, like, I you know, you can look at a movie and say, okay, that's a J.J. That's a Abrams movie. Sure. You know, sure. visually. But be, they don't write their movies the majority of the time. Yeah. Okay. So... You're right. Like they don't have that voice like Tarantino has or Smith has. But you're right. If I close my eyes and I listen, yeah, like the cadence of like how a Smith movie is, you're like, okay, yeah, that's Kevin Smith. Yeah. You know, I can do the same thing. Aaron Sorkin, like Aaron Sorkin dialogue sounds a certain way, and I can close my eyes and I say, yeah, that was written by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. You know, but it's the same thing with Tarantino. You're absolutely right. Like, I mean. He just has a way that he writes, the way his dialogue flows, that you're just like, that's Tarantino. Yeah, for certain, yeah. right? 
Smith is the same way. Yeah, same way. Yeah. Same way. And that's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, yeah. that's like, you just don't find that. Right. So. Wow. Big Kevin Smith podcast here. Yeah. You, you know what else I forgot about, though? Because it's, it, it's been a while since I've watched Strikes Back. Uh-huh. How good the soundtrack in that movie fucking is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, when that run DMC song hits, yeah. like, shit, son. Shit. <laughs> he loves DMC. Oh, I know. I, the, one of the greatest moments he ever wrote was the bus scene in Dogma. Ever. When Maddie comes out of the bus, he's just like, Whose house? Old schoolers knew that right yeah. away, too. Runs house. <laughs> Our generation, right? Yeah. I'm just like, shit, son. Especially after what just happened. Yeah. Of what apparently Dave Maddie did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's badass, dude. It's <laughs> one of the best mo- moments in movie history yeah, for me. Yeah, a little strut go, a little bounce in the step of whose house. Yeah. Runs house. I'm like, oh yeah, that's it, Maddie. And even at that time, Maddie oh. didn't have to do that. No, he didn't have to show no. up in that film. He didn't have to show in Dogma at all. No, you know. Yeah, that's how much I love the guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's saying something. Oh, we got them an Oscar, so. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on from all things Kevin Smith. And uh, <clears throat> Ryan Reynolds this week apparently had a <laughs> meeting with Marvel Studios. I, I've heard this. Yeah. Um, apparently, you know, about the future of, of Deadpool. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. The plan and hope is that Marvel allows us to continue Deadpool in, in his R-rated universe that he lives in, and also hopefully over time we get to play a little bit in the MCU sandbox as well, said uh, Wenrick. Uh, Marvel's universe is rich in both both heroes and also wonderfully villains, uh, added Reese. We, uh, so we would love to see Deadpool enter that, that universe in a fun way. It's just about figuring out how and when. So... This was from screenwriters Rent Reese and Paul Wenrick. Um, so I, I guess I, the, I know you, you've gone on record as saying you are 100% behind Deadpool being in the MCU. I am. A homogenized version of Deadpool that's kid-friendly. I am. See, I'm not. I know. I don't want Deadpool anywhere near the MCU. But I think Deadpool has his place within the MCU. I do. But I don't want a movie... How can I say this? I think... Reynolds can come up with the quips and the funny jokes within an MCU universe. Right. I do. Without being Deadpool. Does that make sense? Right. I get what you're saying. I mean, not, like, not 
can I refrain? And, and you're right. Okay, like ha- half of half of my my, res- my and he proved that. And yeah, my, ha- half of my reason for not wanting to see this is the language. Look, I love a good dick and fart joke as much as the next one. We just, <laughs> we, we just talked for forty five fucking minutes about Kevin Smith, right? Who's who's based his entire career off of dick and fart jokes, right? Okay, so I love a good dick and fart joke as much as the next guy. I I love filthy language mm-hmm. as much as the next guy. The, the, and these are all like to me like I mean the, the, these are all hallmarks of the the Deadpool franchise. But also, there's the violence aspect of it. Yeah. Deadpool movies are much more violent because of the R rating. Right. Than you're used to seeing in the MCU. Oh, for sure. And that is the other half of it that I don't want to see homogenized down. Agreed. Like the 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 beauty of like to me in in these movies, uh, fucking um Colossus. <laughs> he represents the MCU. Right. Like to me, like he's all about like being the hero, truth and justice. Truth, you know, and, yeah. But not, not even that. But like you know, you you know, doing the right thing and and you know, all all this stuff that you know. He hates the vulgarity that, that Deadpool uses. Always you know, he's always a language. You know, yeah, like, stuff like that. Like and like to me, like that's like the MCU judging Deadpool. That's how I've yeah, always yeah. kind of viewed it. Like the MCU is kind of like. Fuck, we've got this guy, you know, yeah. and that, that's how I feel. Like that, that, that's what Colossus represents. And it's like, and, and meanwhile, there's Deadpool, like just giving him the fucking finger, you know, as he, you know, puts a, a, a sword through somebody's head, mm. you know, and that, that's or has his arm cut off, giving the finger as he puts a sword through right, somebody's. Right. You know, I mean, that, that's the shit that, like, that there is something about a Deadpool movie. It's not just the language. Uh, but there's also the violence aspect of it that that just makes those fucking movies work. And when you homogenize that down, yeah, it. I mean, you know, Once Upon a Deadpool works, but you know, it's 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 a great gimmick. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think that when Deadpool comes into the MCU, I think he has, he has to be a sub character. He cannot be the main focus, and I think that's what's going to ruin him. You know what I mean? Like, right. you, you cannot make Deadpool the main focus. Of course, yeah. unless he's with Spidey. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but what I'm saying is. Like, if you could do an R-rated Deadpool and Spider-Man movie, I'm all in. Oh, but the problem is, MCU won't do that. Right. No, they're not going to. Right. I mean, and that's the problem. Like, I mean, it, it has to be, like, to me at least, it, it has to be that way. Like, But you have to, you have to also figure in, too, that <clears throat> with Deadpool, he breaks that fourth wall. Yeah. And you cannot bring that fourth wall into into the MCU universe. You just can't. I mean, it just it, it just won't work. But then the character doesn't work is the problem. Yeah, because that even the comic books that's part of who Deadpool is. No, I I agree. 
I so I don't know like what he, they're gonna like do. Like he's with the him. only person who knows he's in a comic book. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I understand that, but I'm I'm just kind of trying to reinforce that because you're saying like you have to take that out if he's gonna be in the MCU. I, like you're cutting the character's balls right the fuck off. Then. I know, and I just I, you know I am I worried about it? Yes. You know. But do I want to see that sword play from X Men? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. So do I. Like, that swordplay when he walked into that fucking meeting room? Yeah. That was fucking one of the best Deadpool moments. As, including his movies. Right. One of the best moments in... Right. But that's also, like, it was an also ultra-violent... I mean, there were heads fucking rolling. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that, that was a bloody... Mm-hmm. Tarantino-esque <laughs> scene. I, like, everything involved with that. I mean, it's great, like, but you... Can you do that? Can you homogenize that down to a an MCU-friendly... And... Agreed. Do you even want to see that, then? Yeah, I know. That's the problem. Like, I get why Ryan Reynolds wants to play in that sandbox, because that sandbox is more money. Yeah. You know, that that's a paycheck. Yeah. You know, and as a producer on these movies, that's a big ass paycheck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what he's looking at, and I get that. And I'm not going to begrudge him for saying, "I think I can make this work. Give me a chance. Give me your money, please, sir." Yeah. You know what I mean? Go, saying that to Kevin Feige because Kevin Feige's just sitting on a throne of money bags like fucking Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? <laughs> and I'm sure Feige's a, a Deadpool fan. I'm sure he is too. Like, I, I, I don't doubt that for a second. I mean, it's just it's one of those things where, like, I, I think... Because I'm sure even Kevin Feige's kind of saying to himself, I could add another throne if I throw Deadpool into this somehow. And at the same point, it's like, eh, is it going to work? Right. Like, I mean, like, Feige has to be going, mm, is it going to work putting Deadpool in this film? Yeah. You know? Right. Deadpool in a Wolverine film works much more than Deadpool in an MCU film. Yeah. Like, as far as... Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Because I can, can't can even imagine the banter between Deadpool and Wolverine. Right. If you get... Because you, you that's golden. If you could bring Hugh Jackman back for one more fucking movie and do a Deadpool versus Wolverine... Oh. You know... Like, a, a la a Batman v Superman, where they Fantastic. just com- they just completely riff on the whole fucking thing, but but Wolverine is dead serious the entire time. Like he's like Batman trying to hunt down Deadpool, and Deadpool's like, yeah, know, I mean, that would be tremendous, right? I would. Uh, here's my money. I mean, it's that fucking meme. Just take my money. Yeah, and I think Feige knows that. Right, he has to. You put out a fucking Hugh Jackman Deadpool movie? No, yeah. Billions. I mean, it's fucking there. Fanboys would flock to it. Yeah. If it's done right, which they don't really mess up too often. Right. You know? Oh. I can just see Wolvie cutting off his legs. Like, you you start the movie (laughs) off with, like, Deadpool at Wolvie's grave. From Logan, and like no 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 this doesn't this won't do. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know some some ridiculous like that. Like 
at that that X. Like and he's like, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, pissing on the grave or something. I don't know. Like it would just like I can see. Like, I can. Uh, what I can see is him pissing on the grave and yeah. the claws coming out and stabbing yeah. him right in the chest. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you introduce Wolverine back into the yeah. MCU. Yeah. I, I I can see it somehow it working. I, it would be tremendous, but again, it, it would have to be a hard R. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know. But I don't think that Disney's gonna fuck with Deadpool as far as if they want to do a third movie. Deadpool movies have been great, and I, I just don't think they're gonna fuck with that science. I, I, I just, I wonder. Like, not that Disney doesn't put out R-rated movies. I mean, they've been putting out R-rated movies for years. But, like, do you, do you use that Fox banner then? Is that what you're using it for? Yeah. You know? And, I'll be honest, like, some people that may still have, have a, a bad taste in their mouth, I mean, you know, I've seen Dark Phoenix. Oh, <laughs> you know, I won't see it because I just I I know how that goes. Oh, so like I I don't know like it's 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 one of those odd things like like how do you like how do you market that like as far as well it's not in the MCU it's its own thing we can't put the MCU logo in front of it because you know. We don't want Cap and Iron Man to be associated with this. Right. <laughs> you know, we don't want the legacy of Marvel Cinematic Studios attached to this, but yet somehow we kind of have to. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you, I mean, like, <clears throat> that's a thing, like, and, and I get what you're saying, like, Deadpool doesn't really fit. If you, I don't, I, I don't know if, what if situation. They, if they hadn't have made those two movies, I could see you making it work. Yeah, but the agreed. Problem, but the problem is, Fox made those two movies, and so that's the that's the image I have of well, Deadpool. Now. That's the expectation. Yeah, so that's the problem. That's the ultimate problem. Is it's like fuck. If Fox hadn't done this, we could have brought in Deadpool. He could have been MCU friendly, but no, no. Ryan Reynolds had to had to get the fucking movie made. He had to release the test footage. You motherfucker. You know, I, that, that's the type of thing that we're talking about at this point is if it, you're right, he could work in the MCU if you hadn't done these movies. Right. But what Ryan Den- Reynolds did was freaking incredible. It's epic. I mean, you talk about capturing a character perfectly. Right. They have done it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I love Deadpool too. Yeah, I do. I mean, I like one. Yeah, but there's fucking scenes with her in that dream state world oh, yeah. when he was dying. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's a well done movie. Yeah, all around. Yeah, there's nothing. I've never, there was never a point in those movies where I was like, eh, that's stupid. Yeah. Nah. All of it was good. The fucking juggernaut. Oh, God. The worst part is the juggernaut done right. And he was done right. Yeah. I would love to see the jug in Spider Man. Yeah. 
that juggernaut. That's where he belongs. Yeah. That juggernaut in Spider-Man yeah. is like, that's what you want. Yeah. And there's the crossover that you want. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, ugh. Anyway, all right. Moving on. Moving on. So, but speaking of Marvel, Disney has handed over the keys to the entire fucking kingdom to Kevin Feige. He is in charge of everything at Marvel now. He is the creative officer or something. They've given him the keys to the Marvel Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Everything goes through him now. Yeah. Like, do you think like it's what? Here's the here's the thing. Okay, like Kevin Feige, we we both admit has done an amazing job with with the Marvel movies, right? Like, do you want his hands on the comic books? Like, do you, do you think, like, like I'm sure he's going to let whoever the editor-in-chief is run the show, but, like, how much is he going to try to create some crossover with the MCU and Marvel Comics? I don't know. Yeah. It's too early to tell. I mean, it's too early to tell what he's going to do. Right. But, like, there's a lot of, like, weird things that are taking place. Like, I mean, like... I think the problem is Mar- Marvel, for being under one company, had became like this fractured right. like thing. Because like you had Marvel Studios, which did the movies. You had Marvel Comics, which did the comics. And there was Marvel Television, which did like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and yeah. Runaways and uh, Cloak and Dagger and Daredevil and all that shit. And like... While everything originally was supposed to kind of like all be connected, because of the feud between Kevin Feige and the guy who was running Marvel TV, that stopped. Yeah. That shit came to an abrupt end. Yeah. And, like, it's one of those weird things. Like, I mean, and Marvel, Marvel TV also includes, like, the cartoons. Like, so don't forget about that. But um, it, it's just kind of like this weird fucking thing of, like, Marvel TV was doing its own thing. With no input from from the movies and vice versa, right? And now it's like that guy's kind of like basically been like completely end around, right? Like I, he's still a part of the program, but it's like he's not, right? And Joseph Loeb is he getting kicked to the curb? Like, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered, in my opinion, on like how this is all going to be run. Yeah, so I, I just I, I think it's interesting that. You know, they've put Feige in his position of, of being the man in charge of everything at Marvel now. Right. But yet, I, like, I'm just wondering, like, how, like, is he, are they just going to fold everything in as one big happy family under him and let him control everything? Because even, like, those, the, those Disney Plus shows, like, that, that's Marvel Cinematic Studios. Marvel Studios. Right. That's not Marvel TV. Right. And that's a huge... Like, that's a, a big deal in my opinion. Yeah. Like, that's... An, again, that's like another end around around this other guy that they're like, you know... Yeah, um, you're here in title only because we owe you money, apparently. <laughs> I know. Well, I think Daredevil needs to work his way in. Somehow. Well, yeah, I, I I think so too. Like I I, I think, and I think out of those four characters, they need to find a way to get Daredevil back in the fold. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that Daredevil needs to be in a Spider-Man movie. Again, I would have no complaint about that. Yeah, I, I think that needs to happen. And I think they need the actor that's playing Daredevil oh. to be in that Spider-Man I, movie. I, I would love to see Charlie Cox. I would love to see Charlie Cox being the lawyer who defends Peter Parker. Yeah. You know, after what happened at the end of Homecoming, or uh, Far From Home. Yeah. Like, I would love to see, like, you know, the trial of, of Spider-Man. There's Peter Parker on trial. And who's his lawyer? Maddie Murdoch. Correct. You know, here comes yeah. Charlie Cox. The blind man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would be so awesome. And that's the way it needs to unfold. Yeah. And you know it. I mean, that's that has to be there. Yeah. Because Daredevil's a, you know... A player in Spider-Man. You know what I mean? You know, it has to be there. That would be incredible. That's an incredible story to tell. If they choose to tell it. Right. And I, the other side of that, too, is it, it, it also allows me to get that version of the mm. a fucking um, Kingpin mm-hmm. in the MCU. Yeah. Because, like, I, I don't know. Again, like, you talk about the great villains. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about how... Marvel's fumbled villains quite often. Here's one that you didn't fumble. Right. This is a really well done version of Kingpin that would work cinematically. Oh, yeah. You know. For sure. I mean, like, he's perfect. Yeah. You know, who, who's bankrolling J. Jonah Jameson and his campaign against Spider-Man? Oh, you know it. Winston Fisk. You know it. You know, that, that would be awesome. You yeah. Yeah. That would be tremendous. Shared enemy. Yeah. Pr- proud proud citizen Wilson Fisk. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> a man who time and time again has tried to help Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. You know. <laughs> they have to blend them. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. We'll see. Feige has to know that that's... It. that's I a mean, fantastic version of the Kingpin. Yeah. And I mean, and that's a fantastic version of Daredevil. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, tr- say what you will about the, those Marvel movies, Marvel shows. And I, I know, like, a lot of people didn't care for Luke Cage that much. And Jessica Jones, like, the first season was phenomenal. The second and third were okay. Mm. And very few people liked Iron Fist at all. <laughs> I did. I, I did, too. But, like, Daredevil was, like, for... Th- had three solid good seasons. Oh yeah, like really well done three seasons. And then you know on top of that, I I, I liked Cox and the Defenders too. Like I thought the Defenders was really well done. Yeah, yeah. You know, like and I just I like Charlie Cox's is Daredevil. He's just a good Daredevil. He is. He's like, like he played perfect. it perfect. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. And, like, to the point where it's, I, I, I have a hard time imagining somebody else in that role. Right. At this point. Like, I really do. Like, I mean, you know, and it's funny because, like, other roles you accept, like, there's going to be another Batman actor. Yeah, okay, so, well, that's par for the course. You right. Know, you know, there's going to be somebody else playing Superman. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's par for the course. You know, you know other, this happens with other super, like, for some reason, like, I don't want to see somebody else playing Daredevil. I want it to be Charlie Cox in whatever capacity they can get him in. Right. Because he was that good as the character. Yeah. He hit that character on the head so damn well. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, he's perfect. I just, 
and hope they use them. I, I don't think they're going to go the DC route and changing up characters. Right. I'm hoping that they stick with their guns and know how good this guy and is. And more importantly, Charlie Cox wants to play the character again. Yeah. He's very much behind being Daredevil again in some capacity. Yeah. Like, he's talked about it. He loves this role. Yeah. You know, he loves the character. Because the character, probably more than any other character in the MCU, is one of the most complicated characters you could portray. Right. You know, between the, the, the fact that he's blind and has these superpowers, plus his religion, plus his personal life, plus the fact that he's a lawyer. Like, he's a very complicated character compared to... And Marvel's filled with complicated characters. That's what... Stanley liked to write. He, he wanted to create these complicated characters, but more than any other, Daredevil's probably the most complicated because of all the little things about him that make up the character of Matt Murdock. Right. You know, his guilt, his Catholic guilt. You know, everything about... He's a, just a, an engrossing and amazing character. and it's, Right. It's one of those things where, like, I would love to see Charlie Cox get a chance to portray this character on the big screen... Or on the small screen again because he did it so fucking well. Yeah, I agree. I, he's and the perfect Daredevil. And for an actor to want to do it again is, I think it's more than just like for a paycheck reason. I think he really enjoyed playing the character and has grown to love the character of Matt Murdock. Right. You know, because of how complicated he is. Right. And for an actor, that's fun to play. Yeah. Especially when you're engrossed in the character. Yeah. There's yeah, more meaning behind it. Yeah, I agree. You're gonna get a better performance. And yeah, that's the way it should be. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, Feige sees it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> right. <sighs> I guess we'll. Uh, what was, there was one other. It was a, this was a weird story that, that kind of cropped up. And it's only weird in how it, it got handled. Okay. Okay. So, earlier this week, um, on Wednesday, you know, Disney was making announcements about everything that's going to be available on launch date for Disney Plus. Okay. On November 12th. That was all sorts of shit they were announcing. But one of the things you didn't see was anything from Studio uh, Ghibli. Okay. Now, for those who don't know, Studio Ghibli is they they do, um, you know, uh, anime. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, m- most notably, you know, H- Hideo Masaki films. Yeah. Um, you know, Howl's Moving Castle, Princess Moonske. Um, I, I'm drawing blanks, but I mean, you know, these are like classic, beloved anime movies that people absolutely love and you cannot find these anywhere on streaming services no so studio get like and i disney had some sort of connection to studio ghibli and so people were assuming that they were going to be on there on yeah. disney plus and they're not and so someone got in contact with with the studio and said like why, why aren't these streaming anywhere right and the studio representative was like well you know, we don't believe in that. Um, you know, we, we believe in the theater experience with these movies, which is why we re-release them every so often. Yeah. Like, like through these, like, you know, one-day events and stuff so the fans can go out and see the movie. 
Kiki's Delivery Service. Kiki, yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service. Um, Ponyo. Ponyo. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, good. Yeah. Um, I had to interject there because Kiki's Delivery Service is actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, of, of <laughs> like I said, Spirited Away was was, was one. Um, but so, like, they're like, you know, no, we just don't believe in streaming. You know, we know it's a revenue st- way to make money off of this, but we just don't believe in it. We believe in, in the theater experience. Okay. Okay, I'll buy that. Mm-hmm. Fine. I mean, you know, that makes sense. You know, I mean, sh- you put your shit out on DVD and Blu-ray, but okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. One day later, <laughs> Warner Media announces they've reached an agreement with Studio Ghibli and all of their movies will be available on HBO Max. Oh. <laughs> How much did it pay? I, I, the only thing I could think... I, it was like a SpongeBob like card that came up. Like when I saw the... It was like, I read this article on Wednesday and like that SpongeBob card... Car, car, one yeah, day yeah, I get later. It. And yeah. then, you know, HBO Max signs deal with. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's all about money, son. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, is. it is. You're right. I mean, it is. And I'm sure HBO's just making it rain. Yeah. You know, and because it, it's a coup. Like, I mean, again, like in, in the streaming wars. This is a huge coup to be the the exclusive rights holder of these movies. Oh, sure. Because they have a massive fan base of people who, like... Including it, my kids. It, yeah, including your kids. So, like, this is huge for, for HBO and Warner Media. Yeah. You know? And... But it was just, like, the funniest fucking thing. Like, like, like I said, it was like, one day later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah. But that's good, though. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are a fan, and I hope you are, because, I mean, like, I mean, some of that Spirited Away is a fantastic movie, and Howl's Moving Castle is amazing. Yeah. You know, those are the two that I'm most familiar with. I, I like to see Ponyo. I like to see um, the Delivery Service. I like to see these other movies, because, I mean, the, 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 it, it, it's beautiful. If anything, it's a beautiful piece of art. It is. Well, what it is, it, it is art. Yeah. Like, you know? In, in, a, in a time and era where, like, everything is done on computers, it still has that hand-drawn feel to it, but it also has that intricate attention to detail mm-hmm. that only Japanese animation has. Yeah. Like, a leaf falling from a tree has to fall absolutely perfectly. As if it really was fall- like, like they, they will study leaves falling from trees so they can animate it perfectly, you know, shit like that is like, and and then they'll like emphasize it so that it's like you see the artistic beauty of a leaf falling from a tree, like right. it's shit like that that they do that you're like, oh wow, you know what I mean? Like it, Ghibli's amazing, yeah, and but it, it still has that hand drawn feel. Even I know it's done on a computer, but it has that hand drawn feel to it that's still like just like fuck. It is. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. like I said, it's a huge hit in this house, and yeah, I don't know. We just we watch it. You know, it's yeah. it's it's just good. And the funny thing is, like, I, I don't think, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I don't think anime is a big deal in this house. 
like other anime. Like I, I think you guys nah. are into like that stuff in particular. Yeah, we are. But like, uh, you know, I don't see like going out to like watch like other anime projects. No, nah. we don't. Yeah, it's Ghibli or bust. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, oh, I mean, it's true. I mean, I mean, in the nineties, in the nineties, I was big into anime. In the late eighties, early and a lot of the nineties, like I, I watched a lot of like Bubblegum Crisis, Bubblegum Crisis twenty forty nine, um, Rhyme of One Half, um, Yukio. I mean, I, I watched all of this shit, like because I was just into it, right? Right. You know, um, and then I kind of fell out of it, like Ninja Scroll, like shit, shit like that. I mean, and I mean. Anytime I hear somebody start talking about a live action version of Akira, my ears perk up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I'd be yeah. like, Burr? Yeah. You know. So. Uh. So let's dip our toady on mailbag. All right. Mailbag. Burp, burp. Only one email this week, and of course, as always, it comes from our good friend, Superfan Thad. All right. Thad writes in, Hello, my two favorite hosts who like to listen to Ian fuck up names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well. Sorry to hear about Drift getting wax on it, getting wax on him. I hear it hurts a little when you get wax on your pussy. Wow. Wow. Nope, not going into that. Um, but thank you for your concern about Dritz, and, uh, he, he's at, he's, he's back to acting normal for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's time for America's favorite segment, Hot Wax on your, no, I mean, Superfan Thad's Haunted House Review. This week, Superfan Thad went to Kennywood. Nice. As a season pass holder, Platypus and I got in for half price of $18 each. Okay. What a bargain. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me it's 36 bucks to get in the fucking Kennywood for their haunted house. I think it's like a dick. 35 bucks? If he's saying he got it for half price of $18 a piece, that means it's $35 a piece, or $36 a piece, without the, 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 the being a, without being a season ticket holder. Right. That, that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Good lord, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That is. This is always one of my favorite haunts each year. Where else can you go get scared by a clown and have potato patch fries or a delicious tube steak? (laughs) Tube steak. Where are you getting the tube steak from, my friend? Where are you getting the tube steak? What's going on in Noah's Ark? (laughs) New, New this year was Shady Grove Hospital. And they played the movie in it at the 4D Theater. Shady Grove Hospital was new due to them removing Biofear where it used to reside. What is now what used to reside what is now Steeler Country. Shady Grove did use a few things from Biofear, but the hospital concept is new. I like this. The movie I played at the 4D Theater. The the way they cut up the 18 minutes of the movie could have been better, but I was pleasantly surprised they did not cut out the F-bombs or the shits. You heard them plain as day. Fuck you if you get offended. <laughs> wow. I won't have a review next week. I know, I know. We've not had many reviews this year. 
I'll be in Happy Valley this week watching the Penn State versus Michigan State game. Well, what kind of fucking fan are, fan are you, Jag off? Yeah. Penn State didn't play Michigan State this week. They played Michigan. They play at Michigan State next week, Jag off. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I know Penn State's schedule better than you do, and I'm not even a fucking fan. <laughs> Unbelievable. Good news. My friend is better, and all the tests came back negative. Remember, he had this friend who was apparently having a heart issue at the uh, the game last yep. time they went? Yeah. The pit game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor feels he was de- dehydrated. And in two weeks, I'll be reviewing 100 Acres Manor. Nice. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Thad. I, you know, I know you're living a life and all that and whatnot and so forth, but I've been very, very disappointed in your haunted house output this year. <laughs> I have. I mean, this is something we look forward to. We expect, you know, at least one to two haunted house reviews a week from you. Sure. And this year, you have really, really let us down. And... uh Shame, shame, shame. Okay, it's time to go. I'm hanging out. No, 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 no. Not going to get in all that. That's just, that's no good. All right, that's it. That's it for the show. All right. Anything you'd like to add to the proceedings there, sir? I'm good, son. All right, well, remember, there are a number of different ways you can reach out and touch us. I guess send us an email like these fine folks have. That email address is pittsburghnerd at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Pittsburgh Nerd. We're very easy to find. <laughs> Say toot. And you can also um, remember we are a number, member of a number of different podcasting networks. You can find us on the Tangent Bound Network, the Weeby Geeks Network, and the Danger Entertainment Network. Uh, just give them a Google search, and you'll find all the other great podcasts they have to offer. And as always, I want to thank you, the listener, uh, for checking us out each and every week. Um, we appreciate that, and can't thank you enough for taking the time to enjoy our hijinks and shenanigans. I agree. <laughs> and so on that note, the dreamer has awakened. Peace. Peace.